Welcome to the Gospel Saves Podcast, a program that discusses all matters related to the Christian faith. Please visit thegospelsaves.me. You can also visit The Gospel Saves on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. What does the Bible teach about the Trinity? To answer, I'll begin by defining the word God. What do we mean when we say God? Then we'll talk about the concept of a triune God, and we'll wrap up by considering how the Bible can present God as being a triune being while at the same time saying there's only one God. So what do we mean by the word God? Well, the first thing the Bible claims is that God is eternal. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, when Moses asks, Who shall I say sent me to the children of Israel? God says to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. That title, I am, means that he always has existed, he does exist, and he always will exist. He is the self-existent one. And as Moses says in Psalm 90, verse 2, He is from everlasting to everlasting. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. He is also the first and the last. In Isaiah chapter 41, verse 14, God asks, Who has performed and done it, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, am the first, and with the last I am He. So as far as the Bible is concerned, God is eternal. He always has been, and He always will be. He is creator, not created. He is from everlasting to everlasting, or as I said earlier, he is eternal. He is also immutable, which means he is unchanging or unable to be changed. In Psalm 102, verses 25 through 27, the psalmist writes, Of old you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will endure. Yes, they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will change them, and they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. Here, creation is depicted as always being in a constant state of change. But God, in contrast, never changes. He is immutable. It's like what James says in James 1, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning." God does not vary. He does not change, and we can count on him for that reason. So when we say God, what do we mean? Well, we mean he is eternal, and we also mean he is immutable, unchanging, unable to be changed. God is also omnipotent, all-powerful, almighty. He is sovereign. Job says, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. Job 42, 2. This is what Gabriel said when he informed Mary of Elizabeth's miraculous pregnancy, for with God nothing will be impossible. To be God means nothing is impossible. He is all-powerful, almighty, and sovereign. And of course, there are some things that God cannot do because of his nature, but he is all-powerful. He is omnipotent. He's also omnipresent, which means he's everywhere. 
Where can I go from your spirit? asked the psalmist in Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10. Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. So everywhere the psalmist could possibly go, from the grave below to the highest of the heavens, God will be there. His presence is everywhere, which is what Paul says in Acts chapter 17, verses 26 and 27. God is not far from each one of us. He is nearby. We don't have to go searching for him in, uh, in secret places. He is close at hand. Nowhere in creation is too remote for God. He is everywhere, close at hand. He fills the heavens and the earth. He is also omniscient, all-knowing and all-seeing. He foreknows everything. He can see things happening in the future as if they were happening in that very moment. He talks about this in Isaiah 46, verses 9 and 10. And he also says that he is the fount of all wisdom and knowledge in places like Isaiah chapter 40, verses 13 and 14. So what do Christians mean when they talk of God? What does it mean to be divine? What does it mean to be deity? Well, God is eternal. He is without beginning or end. He is immutable. He does not change or alter. He is all-powerful. He is omnipresent, and He is omniscient. Now, one other thing that we learn about God from the Bible is that He is triune or tripartite, that God is three separate and distinct beings that work together as one. And there are Old Testament references to a triune God. We go back to the very beginning, to Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and we see an implication or an indication that there is more than one person. In the beginning, God the Father created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Then God said, notice God said these things, which implies it was His Word at work. So we see the Father, the Spirit, and the Word working together to create the, the universe in which we live. And this is confirmed later on in verse 26. God says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So we see indication from the very beginning that God is triune, He is tripartite, that there is more than one distinct being who makes up God. And there are other intimations of a triune God in the Old Testament. Isaiah 42 verses 1 through 4 also show us evidence of a triune God, and this passage is talking about Jesus Christ. It's a forecast of the Jesus to come. Now when we fast forward to the New Testament, we see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit grouped together. We see them grouped together at the baptism of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, Matthew records when Jesus had been baptized, Jesus, who is the Word, the pre-incarnate God who became flesh, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice the Father's voice, came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So in this particular example, we see Jesus, the Spirit, and the Father all grouped together, all working together at the baptism of Jesus. We also see them grouped together in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. Paul says, There is one body and one Spirit, 
just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all, one Spirit, one Lord, who is Jesus Christ, and one Father. So these three members of God, these three members of the triune God are present in both Ephesians 4 and Matthew chapter 3. And the Father, the Word, and the Spirit are all of the same substance. They are all divine. All three are called God by Scripture. All three are eternal, without beginning and without end. All three participated in the creation of everything. So my conclusion is they are one God in substance, while each is distinct from the others. And this is where the confusion is created, because the Bible claims that there is only one God, and yet we see three distinct beings identified as God in Scripture. So how can God be three and one? How is that possible? Well, I'll illustrate it with this example from science. There is a branch of physics known as thermodynamics. Thermodynamics deals with heat and temperature and how they relate to energy, work, radiation, and properties of matter. Within thermodynamics, there is a concept known as triple point, the point at which a substance coexists in three phases. A substance is in its gas, solid, and liquid states all at the same time at the triple point temperature. Now, this phenomenon only happens at a very precise temperature and pressure. It rarely occurs outside of laboratory conditions. And there are numerous substances that are known to have a triple point. Arsenic, carbon dioxide, mercury, methane, and good old hydrogen dioxide or water. So when the conditions are right, water can coexist in three forms, gas, liquid, and a solid. In all three phases, it's the same substance, hydrogen dioxide. So it's one substance, water, but in three separate phases, gas, liquid, and solid, and all of these are coexisting at the same time. Now, this is not a perfect analogy, but triple point helps me conceptualize how God can simultaneously be one substance, be of divine substance, and also three distinct beings, Father, Word, and Spirit. And some of this also may come down to just the simple question, what do we mean by one? Well, God alone can be called Jehovah. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, what my Jewish neighbors call the Shema, Jesus quotes this in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 30, and calls it the greatest commandment, which puts a strong emphasis on the idea of monotheism. The point of the Shema is that the God of Israel is the only God. Another meaning for the word one might be he is God alone, that all other gods are false. Isaiah chapters 44 and 45 cover this idea in detail. Isaiah 44 verse 8 asks, Is there any God besides Jehovah? In Isaiah 45 verse 5, the prophet emphasizes there is no God apart from him. And later on in chapter 45 verses 18 and 22, Isaiah says again, there is no other God. So not one in the singular sense, but in the sense of alone or unique that he alone is God. And again, we're talking about the triune God, which takes us to my last point, which is sometimes in the Bible, the word one can represent unity in plurality or a compound unity. 
For example, in Exodus chapter 24, verse 3, Moses comes to tell the people all the words of God and all of his judgments, and the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord has said we will do. All the people represents the multitude, but they responded with one voice. Does that mean there was only one voice speaking? No, we had many voices speaking, but they were speaking as one. So there is this concept of compound unity or unity in plurality. And if you think about it, we are a compound unity. We're made up of spirit, soul, and body. I'm one person, but three distinct parts, if you will. So as I wrap this up, let me leave you with a couple of thoughts. Here's what we mean by the word God. God is eternal. He is immutable. He is all-powerful. He is omnipresent and omniscient. And God is also triune. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are three distinct beings, yet they are all divine in their essence. So they are one. And the concept of one God but three distinct beings depends on what we mean by one. And it's helpful to remember things like the concept of triple point, or to remember that I am composed of spirit, soul, and body, that we might be talking about compound unity or unity in plurality. So we have to define what exactly we mean by one. Thanks for listening to the Gospel Saves podcast. If you found this program useful, please visit thegospelsaves.me to find blogs, videos, and Bible studies. If you enjoyed the music on this podcast, please visit acapeldridge.com. You can also find Acapeldridge on Apple Music, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and Facebook. May God bless you as you seek to know His perfect will.